Open mine eyes that I may see Glimpses of truth thou hast for me Open mine eyes, illumine me Spirit divine Love of my life, I am crying I am not dying, I am dancing Dancing along in the madness There is no sadness like to invite you to a soul-level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guests' spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. Welcome to Song of the Soul. We've got a fine musician as our guest today, Sally Rogers. Sally has been making music all over for the past few decades, generally of the genre folk music, but also anything she wants to do. It's a privilege to welcome her to the show. Sally, it's wonderful that you could join me today for Song of the Soul. You're welcome. Given that it's a school day and you're a teacher, you've already put in a long day, haven't you? Well, actually, today is a holiday. It shouldn't be a holiday, but it is a holiday. Now, when you say it shouldn't be a holiday, what do you mean by that? Well, today is Columbus Day, and a good part of our nation actually mourns Columbus's coming to this country, or actually to this hemisphere, I should say. What exactly and where do you teach, Sally? I teach music at Pomfret Community School in Pomfret, Connecticut. I teach pre-K to grade 4 music. And a community school, is that different than a public school, so that it might have more leeway to be creative in the ways that you teach? It's definitely a public school. It is the only public school in our town. We don't even have a high school, so we send our kids to the next town. It's pre-K to grade 8 school, and I am one of two music teachers at our school, and I'm very fortunate to have a lot of leeway in what I teach. Is your area of the country, Sally, shall we say kind of liberal, open-minded leaning? We're a pretty conservative town, actually, but we had a principal who retired this last year who was a very strong supporter of the arts, 
and our school is one of the Connecticut Commission on the Arts HOT schools, stands for Higher Order Thinking Schools. Uh, we model our teaching on the theory of multiple intelligences of Howard Gardner, which says basically that it is educational malpractice to not teach to all of the intelligences of a child, which include visual, spatial, and physical, and natural, and interpersonal, and intrapersonal, etc., etc., but all the different ways that kids learn, and a lot of that can be dealt with through the arts. Well, what a sane way to orient a school system. You know, Sally, I was a little surprised to learn that you were teaching school full-time because I had assumed that you were constantly touring, performing your music. I know that you've done some children's albums or music, but I generally think of you as targeting adults with your songs. What's the mix of music that you do? I've been primarily an adult artist, but during the 90s when my children were little, I didn't want to travel so much, so I mostly performed in schools doing assembly programs, and then also I was a, a resident artist in many schools doing some songwriting projects, and a lot of those were based on local history and gathering oral histories and writing songs based on the stories. So that's what I did a lot of in the 90s in addition to traveling. And then 2001, the opportunity came up to teach at the school that's four miles from my house with just a wonderful setup as far as a public school music teacher is concerned. I have my own room and I have lots of instruments like xylophones and percussion instruments and I have a very supportive staff and supportive administration and supportive parents, which is just not that common these days for music teachers. And when you teach them, this land is your land, this land is my land, do you teach them the band verses as well? Well, unfortunately, I teach to the little guys, and so they wouldn't get it if I taught them the band version. But actually, when we sing it with the older kids, and actually they're not band, they just aren't sung in school, usually. They're not usually included in the school textbooks. But when I sing with the older kids, I do sing the other verses, and often I'll have kids write verses to Woody Guthrie songs, since that's sort of the model that he followed. I asked Jan to share your Song of the Soul, Sally, because your music has been very rich to me. What is your religious and spiritual background, past and present? I was raised by parents who were founders of an Episcopal mission church in Beulah, Michigan, and it was high church. I always said it was Catholic church without the guilt. <laughs> and uh, my mother was the organist in the church, choir leader also. So I grew up singing in that church. It was a church that was full of music, primarily because of my mother, and really good music, too. So I grew up with that through high school, I'd say, and then I sort of put the church aside. I really am not much of a church-goer. I'm a Unitarian at best <laughs> in terms of my beliefs, but, you know, I certainly believe in a higher, higher spirit of sorts, but what it is... I, I believe it's more of a what than a who. And ultimately, I think that we are responsible for our actions. That is what I follow more than anything else, which basically be the golden rule. Two of my songs are in the Unitarian hymnal and one in, in the Quaker. Actually, one in the Unitarian, two in the Quaker. I don't know if you call it the Quaker hymnal, but the Quaker songbook. So I have written 
a number of songs that I call secular anthems in that one of my feelings about organized religion is that it has unfortunately, while it does provide solace and sustenance for many, many people, it also has been a source of division amongst people. So when I write songs, I try to write songs that will speak to people regardless of their beliefs, their spiritual beliefs or their, their leanings in terms of their the sect of whatever religion it might be. I try to speak to the commonality in all of us because it just seems that when we have people of different beliefs getting together, it, it ends up often causing more discord than accord, and we need accord. <laughs> well, speaking of accords and discords, what are the chords in Magic Penny, the first song you've chosen for your song of the soul? Oh, the simple ones. One, four, and five. <laughs> uh, there's one other chord in there, but I'm not sure what it is. I think it's a five of five. Magic Penny was written by Malvina Reynolds, who was just one of my great mentors and heroines. She started writing songs at the age of 55 and continued writing them till her death at 77. And this is one of them. What are the things, the themes in the song that resonate are good for the world from your point of view? The main thing is it says, love is something if you give it away, you end up having more. And I say what goes around comes around. So that's as spiritual as I get. <laughs> There's a line in there that candy is dandy. And then it goes on to say that love is better. Is that true of chocolate in your case? Um, chocolate is right up there with the holiest of foods, yeah. <laughs> well, I love Melvina's version, and I love your version too, so I'm pleased to present to our listeners Sally Rogers singing Magic Penny, originally by Melvina Reynolds. Love is something if you give it away, give it away, give it away. Love is something if you give it away. You end up having more Love is something if you give it away Give it away, give it away Love is something if you give it away You end up having more It's just like a magic penny Hold it tight and you won't have any Lend it, spend it and you'll have so many They'll roll all over the floor For love is something if you give it away Give it away Give it away, love is something if you give it away, you end up having more. So let's go dancing till the break of day, and if there's a piper we can pay. For love is something if you give it away, you end up having more. For love is something if you give it away, give it away, give it away. Love is something if you give it away, you end up having more. Money's dandy and we like to use it But love is better if you don't refuse it It's a treasure and you'll never lose it If you don't lock up your door Or love is something if you give it away Give it away, give it away Love is something if you give it away You end up having more Love is something if you give it away Give it away Give it away, love is something if you give it away, you end up having more, you end up having more. That was Magic Penny, this version by Sally Rogers, who is with us today sharing her song of the soul. 
I think I'll jump right in on your second song, Sally, because I know that you have to get a meal ready for your family very soon. I'm really glad that you picked out this one since it has a special place for me. In fact, it was one of the first songs that the woman, who is now my wife, taught to me back when we were just getting to know each other in the process of becoming the love of my life. How appropriate that the song is Love Will Guide Us. Tell us about it. Love Will Guide Us is an old Southern Baptist hymn originally called I Will Guide Thee which I heard from the singing of Helen Schneer on a folk legacy record. I loved the song. I loved the melody. I loved the crookedness of the melody. And I loved the sense of the song, but I was searching for something more secular, something, again, that could speak to everybody because it was speaking specifically of Jesus as being the guide, which is great if you follow Jesus, but not everybody does. So I thought, well, I need something I could sing you know, in a concert where everyone could be included. And so I took pieces of the original lyrics, a portion of the first verses taken from the original hymn, and I just changed it from I will guide thee to love will guide us because I think love is a, a wonderful translation of what I understand Jesus to have said. You mentioned that you have some songs in the Unitarian and Quaker hymnals. This is one of them, isn't it? Correct. This is in both. Well, to be included in two hymnals seems a pretty strong vote of confidence. Oh, I felt pretty good about it. (laughs) It's a wonderful song, so I'm happy to invite everyone to let Sally Rogers guide them to the eternal font of love with her song, Love Will Guide Us.
was Love Will Guide Us, adapted by Sally Rogers from an old Baptist hymn. You mentioned, Sally, that you were in the choir back when you were growing up. Did you play instruments then, as well as singing? Just singing. Well, I know that you play several instruments now, as you accompany yourself, singing in concert. What is your full repertoire of instruments? I play guitar and mountain dulcimer and some banjo, although I've been playing less banjo recently, but I love it. That's pretty much what I play. My mother was a piano teacher, and I never really learned to play the piano. Not at all well. I can play one hand or the other, but not both. (laughs) And that song, Love Will Guide Us, is different in style from a lot of your music in that it is specifically, originally, a hymn. You mentioned that you play and love banjo. Is bluegrass one of your musical passions? I prefer old-timey music to bluegrass, like the clawhammer style of banjo. Well, speaking of clawhammers, are you much of a carpenter? I am not. I wrote We Will Build This House for our local Habitat for Humanity chapter. I was doing a benefit concert for them locally, as I was tuning my guitar before the concert, the song kind of dropped in my lap. It's pretty much the way it was written originally, except for a couple of lines that I had to tweak a little bit. But basically the idea is that it's the old, it takes a village to to raise a child, or it, you know, it takes a village to be a village. <laughs> we'll all build a house together. And I was specifically thinking of a friend of mine who lives on the north side of Hartford in subsidized housing and in a pretty much ethnically African-American community and where it's really dangerous and dangerous to walk on the streets. And I'm really hopeful that someday she'll be able to either get a habitat house, you know, build a habitat house, or at least that she'll be able to get out of that area. I went to her house one day and she, she said to me, I want to show you this picture. And I went over to her and she had an obituary with a picture of a young boy, about 15 or 16, Her son, like many 15- or 16-year-old boys, was in jail for some minor offense that a white person would not have gone to jail for. And she showed me this obituary of of a boy, and I said, well, who is this? And she said, that's Greg, her son. That's Greg's best friend. And I said, well, what happened to him? And apparently there had been some argument over drugs the week before, and six shots had been fired, and this kid got three of them, and it it killed him. And she said... She said, you know, those other three shots were for Greg. And then she said something that I I just never thought I'd ever hear a mother say. She said, thank God my son was in jail. 
you know, we live in a country where there are women who say, thank God my son is in jail, and they mean it because it's actually safer for their child to be in jail than to be on the streets of their community. So while we fight wars on the other side of the planet, very few of us in the middle class are aware that there's wars going on basically right down the road from us. You know, the idea and design of Habitat for Humanity is so wonderful, so well thought out. All of the details, including how they involve folks in preparing their own homes and then passing the gift on to others, the no-interest loans, selection of homeowners. It's great stuff, and they're lucky to have your song to cheer them along. I really appreciate what they do, and while I'm not very good at holding a hammer, I I did write them a song, so... (laughs) Music really does help the work move along, although this song is kind of a slow-tempo song, probably better for painting than for hammering nails. I Will Build This House is a gift from Sally Rogers to Habitat for Humanity. We will build this house With the strength of our arms With the love of our We will build this house We will build this house As a shelter from all harm With the open door of justice We will build this house A house of warmth A house just right A house to Enough to share We 
will build this house with the strength of our arms, with the love of our neighbors. We will build this house. We will build this house as a shelter from all harm, with the open door of justice. We will build this house. We You're listening to a Northern Spirit radio production called Song of the Soul. I'm your host, Mark Helpsmeet, and the delightful soul we're listening to today is that of singer-songwriter and music teacher, Sally Rogers. Sally, how many recordings do you have out there in the world? I think there's 14 that have me on them. You know, some of them are children, some are solo ones, some are with my husband, Howie Burson, tour with him and tour with Claudia Schmidt. I contributed to a holiday recording that's no longer in print, and I was a participant on uh, Civil Rights Songs for Kids CD that Bill Harley put out. And then also a few that were not put out nationally, but that were part of the songwriting programs that I've done in schools. I suppose it goes without saying that they are mostly available via your website, sallyrogers.com. And if it taxes our listeners' memories to add another website to their databanks, they can, of course, track you down via my site, northernspiritradio.org. Though your music goes all over the map, children, grown-up, traditional, spiritual, modern, one of the patterns I've noticed is that you usually include some on definitely activist themes, stuff like peace and justice. And the next tune you selected is P for Peace. It's clearly in that direction. Is this kind of activist work in some way central to your life? Um, I wish it were more central. It's certainly where my heart lies. To me, that's what spirituality is for me, is taking that spirit and trying to make a difference in the world. This song, P for Peace, has some background vocals by kids, I think, and it makes me think of a Christmas tune. Was it intended for that kind of atmosphere? It was designed to be a pretty much pretty much secular Christmas song, <laughs> a holiday song about peace. Certainly the Christian Christmas is about peace and about love and, you know, the wonders of a baby coming into the world, this amazing person. And what I wanted to do is, in a song, capture that feeling of Christmas without it being specifically about Jesus, so that, again, everyone could sing it. Well, I can't help but think that a nation would be better and more peaceful if they were playing this song over the air constantly instead of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. (laughs) Well, see, part of this is because my husband is Jewish, and my children come from India, so we have sort of this multicultural family, and I really want to have stuff that they can all be included in. It's a beautiful song, and the meaning couldn't be better. It's P is for Peace by Sally Rogers. P is for peace, goodwill towards those who live on this earth. The cows and the crows, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea. Peace for you 
For Peace by Sally Rogers and NSR is for Northern Spirit Radio. Mark helps meet your host, and this is Sally Rogers' Song of the Soul. We're talking to Sally in uh, what part of the world are you in, Sally? I'm in Pomfret, Connecticut, the Abington section of Pomfret, Connecticut. And does Pomfret mean something? I mean, thinking of you and the frets of your guitar, guitar fret seemed a natural, but Pomfret? It's a town, a small town in the northeast corner of Connecticut, named after the town of Pontefract in England. Pontefract means broken bridge, and there's a long story about the Romans and the Brits, you know, the Brits warding off the Romans by breaking a bridge. The word Pontefract is shortened into pomfret, and if you've ever heard of pomfret cakes, they come from pomfret in England, and they are licorice. So there's a little bit of etymology for you. And have you had one of these pomfret cakes? I have had one. They are not cakes at all. They are little tiny lozenges, licorice lozenges. And I've been to pomfret in England, and I have had pomfret cakes, and I've seen the fields of licorice root. Actually, I've seen the flowers. <laughs> the root is below the ground. But I do love licorice. 
Well, maybe we should grab a palm fret cake or a licorice stick, sit down, and listen to some more music, like a tune that you wrote called The Tunes Jacqueline Plays. Is the Jacqueline in this song a real person or an imagined character that you invented? Jacqueline Schwab is the inspiration for this song. And Jacqueline Schwab is the pianist on many of Ken Burns's programs, the one on the Civil War particularly, but I believe she also played on the latest one about World War II. She is just an inspirational piano player, and the reason I chose to put this song on your program is that Jacqueline's music is spiritual to me. Her ability to improvise and play piano she plays for contra dances, which is the New England style of traditional dancing. And when she plays, you have to dance. Her playing makes the dancing almost magical. And I'm not the only one who says so. <laughs> so I, last summer, I believe it was, I was at the Pinewoods Music and Dance Camp run by the Country Dance and Song Society. And Jacqueline was on the staff, and she was playing the piano for a dance. And I wrote this song for her at the camp seems like another gift to the world. I take it you're a dancer, Sally. I just love to contra-dance. I'm not a fine dancer, but I love to dance. I like traditional dancing and folk dancing. This song has a lot of references to happy, nostalgic memories of dances past. Is this autobiographical, and are you and your husband longtime dance partners? When at all possible, we dance together. Often when we go to contra-dances, he ends up playing in the band but I always get to waltz with him, and we also always make sure we dance a few contras together. You don't perhaps have the same agreement that my wife and I have. The way that you mentioned the I always get to waltz with him, I was wondering if you have a I'll save all the waltzes for you commitment like Sandra and I have. It's an unspoken truth. Well, with that in mind, I'm going to picture you and him dancing together. The song is by my guest Sally Rogers, and it's the tunes Jacqueline plays. The tune takes the floor when Jacqueline plays on the ivories, the black and the white. The tune is much more than the notes that she plays as they waltz in the dark of the night. Notes on the page do you find The tug and the pull that brings tears Where between fingers and keys are the rhymes That make us remember the years Oh, the years when our feet touch the floor And then seem to fly As with partners we balance and swing We're left wanting more as the last couple sighs At the tunes Jackie gives to the breeze Where in the notes on the page Do we find the tug and the pull That brings tears Where between fingers and keys Are the rhymes that make us remember The years, oh, the years She plays joy and sorrow love and with style and passes on all that she knows those tunes written or borrowed have traveled for miles 
to dance in our heads and our toes. Where in the notes on the page do we find the tug and the pull that brings tears? Where between fingers and keys are the rhymes that make us remember the years, oh, the years. Where in the notes on the page do Tug and the pull that brings tears Where between fingers and keys are the rhymes That make us remember the years Oh, the years I hope Jacqueline heard that, Sally. As you recognize the wonderful gift of music and dance she gives to the world, Inspired by Jacqueline Schwab, that was the tunes Jacqueline plays, written and performed by my Song of the Soul guest, Sally Rogers. Let's keep moving right along. You've got a long list of wonderful songs, Sally, and I just can't wait to get to the next one. There is, I think, a special story about how this song came into your life. Tell us where this next song comes from. I was on staff at the Swannanoa Gathering last summer or was it two summers ago, I can't remember, and that is one of these week-long music camps, and this was at Sing and Swing Week, and I was teaching a songwriting class. Michael Pearl was one of the students in my class. I'd never met him before, and I'd never heard any of his songs, and I had asked everybody to bring something that they were working on, and he said, well, you know, this song isn't finished, but I, I hope you... I hope you'll enjoy it, but, you know, I, I'm, I'm really nervous about singing in front of everybody, and he sang this song, and everybody in the class, including me, we just wept. The chorus, especially, is just so right on. It just hits the nail on the head when talking about, you know, peace and justice and ending wars. It just hits the nail on the head. The name of the song is A Ram for Abraham, and it refers, of course, to the biblical story where God first tells Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Then, right before the sacrifice, God says, okay, you've been faithful, obedient, you don't have to do it. And then God provides a ram to be sacrificed instead. And Michael Pearl, in the song, says that's what we need to do so we don't have to sacrifice all of our sons and daughters in war. Do you know if he wrote this about any particular war? It was in response to the Iraq War. You mentioned, Sally, that your children are from India. And the question occurs to me, why did you choose children from there and in, in that way? Uh, what was all this about? In other words, just I'd like to know about your kids. Well, our kids are adopted. They're from both from India, and it came about for very practical reasons. Uh, we couldn't seem to make our own. And so we started looking into adoption, and we were at Jay Unger's Ashokan camp talking to other people there about adoption. And they said, oh, if you're thinking of adopting, you should see these now friends of ours, Bonner and Joe, and talk to them because they have two adopted kids, and they're from India. And so we went and talked to them, and they had adopted their kids directly from India without using a, they'd done like an independent adoption without using too much of a, a go-between. They had a direct contact in India with a nun that ran an orphanage in New Delhi. It seemed to us like it would be a way to have more control over the adoption 
it just it seemed very hopeful to us. It didn't seem like it was likely for us to be able to adopt a child in this country. And so we went for it and ended up with these kids from India. And prior to that, we had never had any contact really with India or things Indian. We didn't have, you know, any sort of philosophical bent that way. But they have, I mean, by having these children, we have become very interested in things Indian and have gotten involved in a couple of organizations and, you know, eat Indian food fairly frequently. and My favorite. And listen to more music than we had before. And just basically we've become more knowledgeable about a, uh, a culture that we had no knowledge of in the past. So it's, it's been a wonderful process and our kids are practically grown. One's 15 and one's 19 and they were six months when we got them. Is your 19-year-old still at home? She's at college. In fact, I just went to visit her today. She's at Boston University. Uh, kids are such a gift. Of course, you had to change your music and touring schedule quite a bit to accommodate kids into your life back in the 90s when you adopted them. Is your singing career schedule back to normal, more or less? No, I've come to a new normal. My new normal is that I'm teaching in the public schools four days a week, and I have my weekends free, and including Friday, so that if I you know, have the opportunity to travel, I can. But I'm not going away for any length of time, because I can't. <laughs> I'm teaching, unless it's in the summer. So I do some summer music camps and the occasional festival in the summer. I still do some residencies on consecutive Fridays in, within Connecticut. As I mentioned before, Folks can track down info about you on your website, sallyrogers.com. Is there also a schedule on there so that folks can track you down and hear you in person? Well, you know, I don't really have that much coming up. So, well, except for one thing in Michigan, I'm doing the uh, Sally Potter Singing Festival in February, and that's a whole weekend with Joel Mavis and Claudia Schmidt. And it's a festival where it's specifically sing-along songs. And it's really fun. Okay. There's one good opportunity in Michigan in February. Well, before we lose track of it, I think we haven't yet played a Ram for Abraham. Let's send this out with all the loving intentions in our hearts for all the young people sacrificed in all the wars, but especially now for those Iraqis, Americans, and people of other nations who have died, been sacrificed in the war in Iraq. Let's send out a ram for Abraham. Mother's rock, sing lullabies. Babies soon learn battle cry. For God and country, they will die, yeah, yeah. We urge them on with grand parades, rousing speeches smartly made. A lonely stone marks their grave, yeah. Our sons and daughters Oh, 
was A Ram for Abraham, written by Mike Pearl, performed by my guest Sally Rogers, sharing her song of the soul with us today from her home in Connecticut. That's that's really a great and moving song. And the next song is about gardens. Have you, Sally, put up your garden yet for the winter? I actually kill plants, but I do have a garden outside my music room called, it's a, called a sound garden, and it has all plants with noisy names, and it has a blues garden with all blue flowers, and it has a sunflower house that's called the House of the Rising Sunflower, and other such sort of puns, but it also has percussion instruments made out of recycled materials that kids can bang on, and that's as much gardening as I do, and, and I have now commandeered the other teachers in the preschool, the grade two wing of our school, to help take care of the garden, and we are going to be putting it to sleep tomorrow. So, have you not been a gardener in the past? I have tried, and I kill things. <laughs> I love gardens, but I'd kill them. So, I had to write a song instead. And this song was written for the inauguration of the Michigan 4-H Club Children's Garden in East Lansing, Michigan. You used to live over that way, didn't you? I did. I'm from Michigan originally. Well, the song is Going to Plant Me a Garden, and it's a pretty lively one. And uh, what's the instrument you're playing in this song? 
Dulcimer, I believe. Well, that's good. You better know what it is. <laughs> and when you go on tour, do you have to haul five different instruments with you? Yeah, and when I had kids, I was also hauling diaper bags and cribs and <laughs> car seats and all that. It's amazing you can juggle all of that. The song is Gonna Plant Me a Garden, A Garden of Love, by my song of the soul guest today, Sally Rogers. Gonna plant me a garden, gonna make it grow, gonna water it friends to see, gonna plant them for you, gonna plant them for me, with a little bit of care, they'll grow to be, flowering rainbows across the sea, and when they've grown, from shore to shore, our sisters and By the dove, and in those fruits are the seeds of love. Gonna plant me a garden, gonna make it grow, gonna water it well, gonna weed and hoe, gonna plant me a garden, meet the sun above, and the seeds I plant are the seeds of love. That was Sally Rogers and her song, Gonna Plant Me a Garden. Sally, if you had to name just one thing of all the things that you've planted, metaphorically, if you had to name the one that you're most proud of, what would that be? Probably the thing I'm most proud of is a cultural diversity program that I started at the school where I now work, but where my kids went to school and I volunteered there before they went to school there. It's called our cultural arts program where every year the school, as a school, studies a different culture and just one culture, one country and one culture. It's a fairly in-depth study and people from the culture are invited into the school to talk with kids and we have a catered dinner with food from the culture as a sort of ending for the study, and we invite resident artists in to teach the dance or the music of the culture or the drama of the culture. been going on for 15 years, and I'm, that's probably the thing I'm most proud of. That's a beautiful seed to plant. And that's in one school. Is it in other schools as well? It's in one school. I've got to get around to writing an article about it and then pass it around a little bit. Did you have to go back to school to become a teacher in the 90s, or were you already certified from back in ancient history? I got my certification in 1978 from Michigan State University, so I only had to do a a little bit to get recertified, and now I have my master's degree. I just got it. I just finished my, my coursework and everything a couple weeks ago. Well, congratulations, and are you holding a party? I haven't yet. I haven't gotten my grades yet. (laughs) Still in doubt. Oh, well. 
It's great in any case that the program that you set up can make such a difference through the seed planted by one individual, you. You've next selected a song about the kind of impact individuals can have. What can one little person do? Is there any chance that you're going to add another verse to this song, like about what Sally Rogers did in the program that you founded? I won't do that. Somebody else can do that. But this is one of the songs I'm most proud of, too, because it's really traveled far and wide, and it's been recorded by Larry Long, had it included in the uh, Teaching Tolerance book that's available for free to schools all over the country. So thousands of copies of it have gone out. The name of that book is called I Will Be Your Friend, which is named after a Guy Davis song. Any school, anyone who's listening now, if you write a letter to teachingtolerance.org, actually just go to their website and you can find out how to get this book and CD for free, and it has lots of ideas for classroom use for teaching kids tolerance for each other and people who are different than them and helping to find what we have in common so we can build this build ourselves a better world. So schools across the country have also added verses to this with people in their communities or other heroes that they can think of. And I think it's a great song to go out on. I think it's time to send out a vital and encouraging message. What can one little person do from Sally Rogers' album by the same name? What can one little person do? What can one little me or you do? What can one little person do to help this world go round? One can help another one, and together we can get the job done. What can one little person do to help this world? Harriet Tubman was alone on the darkened road to freedom, but she couldn't leave her people far behind. Moses stretched out her hand, she led them to the promised land, because she knew that she had justice on her side. Oh, what can one little person do? What can one little me or you do? What can one little person do to help this world go round? One can help another one, and together we can get the job done. What can one little person do to help this world? When Sojourn Truth was freed, she got down on her knees, prayed to God to help her on her She knew that she had justice on her side Oh, what can one little person do? What can one little me or you do? What can one little person do to help this world go round? One can help another one And together we can get the job done What can one little person do to help this world?
tea Until all of us are free We'll know that we have justice on our side Oh, what can one little person do? What can one little me or you do? What can one little person do to help this world go around? One can help another one And together we can get the job done What can one little person do to help this world? One can help another one And together we can get the job done What can one little person do to help this world? That was What Can One Little Person Do? Last song in Sally Rogers' Song of the Soul. And our time is just about up. Sally, what a gift to share your time with us in between the demands of school, parenting, performing. Thanks so much for sharing your Song of the Soul. You're very welcome, and thank you for including me. You've been listening to a Song of the Soul interview with Sally Rogers. And remember, you can check out her music and other info at sallyrogers.com. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, northernspiritradio.org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can 